0: What's up, everyone? This is another episode of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, episode 22, covering... WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night from September the twenty sixth, nineteen ninety two. I am your host, Dave Rosenbluth, this week. And as you all know from listening last week, which by the way, thank you very much. Um, I'm flying solo once again this week. Uh, Kobe hooked me up a couple weeks ago, took care of me while I was under the weather. So I said, "Let me get you back and then some." Go enjoy yourself. Walk the dogs. Do some outside podcasting ventures. If you want to do more retromania stuff, by all means, go do it, buddy. But let me handle the duties here. on Marking up day's weekend warriors, and he said, Yeah, man, no problem. And uh, so, yeah, this week I'm gonna, you know, hop in the saddle once again by myself as we go through September the 26th, 1992, with superstars and Saturday night. But before we get into all of that, you can find each and every episode of this show, Marking Up Today's Weekend Warriors, in our backlog archives. Over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. That's right. You can search for the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbeanie. You can find this show along with Kicking Out It 2, Hulkamania Is Dead, Origins of Attitude, and so many other great shows. On the Kicking Out of Two front, which I host, uh, you can check out the ECW Anarchy Rules 1999 watch party that dropped recently. Dennis J. Levy joined me. We talked all things ECW from 1999. Uh, It was a great time. You can watch that with us on WWE Network. You have your WWE Network logged in and listen to us and take in that alternate commentary as only we do on Kicking Out of Two. And next week on Kicking Out of Two, we're going to bring you the second installment of our Blind Date Diaries as... I'm going to be covering WWF One Night Only from September the 20th, 1997. Um, it was the first time I watched that show from start to finish recently, so I thought, why not give it a shot and uh, you know cover it here on Kicking Out It too. So it was a lot of fun, and uh, you'll find out whether it was a good blind date or a bad blind date. And that's next week on Kicking Out It too. Um, I mentioned it before: Hulkamania is dead. On that Hulkamania is dead front. Um, Kobe's got some more episodes planned. He's rebooking the territory, brother. And uh, he's doing so very, very soon. So you could check that out. We also got some bonus content that's going to be coming your way. More stuff from us here at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Now, before we get into all of that, Okay, before we get into superstars and Saturday night, um, I would be remiss if I didn't discuss and cover some important events that took place this week in pro wrestling, um, the current landscape, uh, we saw the debut of NXT on USA live episode, by the way, uh, Killian Dane and Matt Riddle in a badass street fight. We saw Roderick Strong win the North American title from Velveteen Dream, um, I thought it was a great show, um. I thought top to bottom, um, you know, both hours. It just if it, it, it breezed right by. There was it was a, it was nonstop action. Crowd was pumped, um, and if I'm AEW, bring your A game because NXT set the bar really high for Wednesday nights. Um, and on the AEW front, um, you know their show debuts in two weeks on TNT, October the second. And uh, I'll be honest with you, um, you know I'm excited for it, but um, there's one problem. And maybe it's just me, but uh, this week they they unveiled the, the name of their show. And there had been rumors uh, for quite some time about names that AEW has trademarked that could be linked to their show. And so, uh, you know, I was hoping that those rumors weren't going to be true, but they, they've come to fruition. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to get All Elite Wrestling Presents Dynamite. how fucking silly is that how fucking silly is that that I mean that's come on that's just ridiculous you know for for a bunch of guys that you know claim to to be so revolutionary and want to change the business and change the game you're 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 taking a step back thirty five years practically with a with a retro name like that and trust me I'm the king of the retro okay I love retro pro wrestling that's the basis of my show kicking out it too but I mean let's stay current guys you know what I mean like you could have came up with something better than that. I mean, whose fucking idea was that? You know, please, just please tell me. Drop me a line, h- h- Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out of Two or Retromania with a W. You could hit us up there as well. Come on, guys, tell us who came up with that stupid idea. I mean, at this point calling the show dynamite you might as well just rename it nitro call mongo mcmichael up have him dig up his fucking chihuahua bring him out and they can introduce the dynamite dolls with ddp and the rest of the yoga instructors i mean give me a fucking break it's i mean it's ridiculous um i hope that the 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 show doesn't reflect the name in terms of the corniness of the name and i don't think it will but um you know i'm not like every other aew fanboy out there um i'm I grew up watching WWE. Let's face it, you know, from the '80s with Hulk Hogan. Um, so I'm very partial to it at times, um, but I'm also open to other wrestling. I watch all different kinds of wrestling as much as I can, and I'm really excited for what this Wednesday Night War, I guess you want to call it, um, is set to bring. But um, with a name like Dynamite, coming, I mean, come on, like that's just that that that's just ridiculous. I can't even begin to to describe to you. How awful that name sounds. Um, but I will, you know, on, uh, to, to put a period at the end of this sentence, um, I'm confident that they're going to put out a great product that's going to be exciting for wrestling fans. And it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan in general. Um, with everything that's out there and especially on these Wednesday nights now you know my DVR is going to be loaded my wife's not going to be happy she's going to see Raw on Monday she can see NXT on Wednesday she's going to see AEW on Wednesday Impact Wrestling um, Smackdown on Friday um, who I mean it, it, it's she's going to be like oh my god like you know are you gonna ever have time for me which of course honey I will have time for you but um, you know nonetheless um, let's just hope that um, the quality of the show is better than the quality of this fucking name i mean my god um, yeah so that's where i stand when it comes to that um, now let's get into 1992 let's go back to wwf superstar saturday morning uh september the 19th 1992 as we open with brett the hitman hart making his way to the ring to face glenn ruth who we've seen on the show before he is formerly one half of the headbangers headbanger thrasher this was pre-headbanger days of course um i mean this match is is what it is what it is brett puts all his signature stuff out there with the the atomic drops the elbow off the second rope clothesline drop kick he finishes off ruth with the sharpshooter for the victory um really the only thing noteworthy of this match is that they're really continuing the the Bret hart papa shango rivalry um mean, we saw a picture-in-picture promo from Papa Shango as he gloats over the effects this curse had on Bret Hart, resulting in his loss to the British Bulldog at SummerSlam. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're really dedicated to making Papa Shango a big deal at this time in 1992, putting him up against a guy as popular as Bret Hart. Um, so we'll see how that turns out um, in the coming weeks here on this show. Um, we then get Mr. Perfect and Vince McMahon running down the action on this episode, and they pitch it to Mean Gene, who gives us an update on the Macho Man's title loss to Ric Flair from a couple of weeks prior. Um, standard recap, similar similar sequence of events that we saw uh, last week when they recapped it. Um, it's clearly a focal point of the show. It's a, it's a, it's a good one um, because Savage is super over, and Flair is you know as hated. As he could be in the wWF at this time, so um, i didn 't think it was bad uh, um, it reminded fans that missed um, superstars last week uh, what took place um, so I thought it was I thought it was a, a solid uh reminder of of what's been going on in the wWF title picture. Uh, we go to commercial um, after that and then come back with Shawn michael's wrestling ross Greenberg and like most of these enhancement matches um, You know, Michaels had the upper hand for the majority of this, although, you know, which I was kind of surprised with, Greenberg got a few good shots in, and the crowd was kind of getting into it. It was very surprising. You know, during this time period, you didn't see a whole lot of the enhancement talent getting the better of the superstars. But um, in this case, um, it was very well received by the audience. Um, But eventually, Michaels would, you know, get the upper hand once again and deliver a side suplex for the victory. He still really hadn't, like um christened the the super kick as his finishing maneuver he used it in this match but he didn't really make it his um at this point in time he was going with that silly side suplex which um i even as a kid i remember thinking that you know it was it wasn't really that effective of a maneuver and plus i knew Shawn michaels as his high flyer so i was expecting something a little more flashier as a finisher but um you know that's what we got for the time being um We then go to the event center with Sean Mooney and we get a couple of green screen promos. One from the Big Boss Man who is um, out to make sure that Trash Like Nails is gone from the World Wrestling Federation. And then we get another green screen promo from the model Rick Martell who basically just says, I am the best at everything. Everything I do, I am the best. Well, I mean, it is what it is when it comes to these. um, You know, Boss Man, it seemed like you know, with that promo, obviously on a clear path with nails. Um, that's been building for quite a while. Model, he's just kind of stuck in limbo. It seems like after the Shawn Michaels thing, they didn't really know what to do with him. 1992 is a weird year for Rick Martel in the WWF. I mean, he had a, a series of uh, matches with Tatanka, um, stealing Buffalo Breath's feathers, and then he went from that to right to Shawn Michaels. Um, and then after Shawn Michaels, it's, he's back in, you know, he's back in Nowhereville. So... Um, There wasn't really any indication from Rick, you know, regarding the trajectory of Rick Martell from that green screen promo. So I guess it was just to give him some face time and still make him relevant in some form or fashion. Um, We go to commercial and come back, and it's Tatanka going one on one with the Mountie. Um, Featured match in the middle of this show, which was interesting as well. Um, The Mountie gets on the microphone to start the match and calls Hershey a bunch of hillbillies, which then results in Tatanka's music. Playing And he interrupts the promo, making his way down to the arena. And real hot start from Tataka. Series of chops. He slaps the Mountie in the face. Clothesline over the top rope. Mountie powders out. He wants no part of Tataka. And, and then he says, that's it. I'm out of here. And he's leaving. And he's, as he's heading to the back, we cut to commercial break. Um, we come back from the break. And the Mountie is back trying to collect himself. Uh, Tataka's waiting in the ring eagerly. Uh, and then we get Jimmy Hart distracting Tataka a few times um, in hopes that the Mountie would capitalize on an attack, but both times, no avail. He did not get the upper hand on Tataka. Um, however, as the match did progress, he would gain the upper hand. Um, the finish came when uh, the Mountie was... Um, the Mountie had delivered a pile driver to Tatanka, and he didn't want to go for the cover. Instead, he grabs the microphone and tells everyone that I'm the Mountie, and uh, we would get Tatanka making a comeback. Uh, referee then gets distracted by Jimmy Hart, and as he's distracted by Jimmy Hart, Jimmy kicks that electric shock stick, or as Kobe and I would like to say, dilly. Um, to the Mountie, and the Mountie goes to zap Tatanka, but Tatanka moves, referee calls for the bell and the disqualification, and we get a post-match melee between the two, crowd's going crazy, um, but the Mountie ends up leaving, and they play Tatanka's music, and, um, I will say, watching this match, I was pleasantly surprised, I didn't have any high expectations for it, but the crowd was super into this, and, um, you know, I don't know if this was something that they taped at the beginning of the tapings or at the end of the tapings, and they just edited things around. But the um, crowd was really hot for this, for two guys who had no interaction with each other and no storyline leading up to it. The crowd really got behind it um, and was into it from start to finish. And uh, it was almost like very pay-per-view quality, like in terms of the audience participation. So it was a lot of fun going back and watching that match. Um We get to event center with Sean Mooney, and we get the first green screen promo from Kobe's favorite wrestler in all of the Olive Garden. I'm talking about Virgil. Um, He wants to thank everyone for being behind him 100%. And then he calls out Ray the Ramon and says, you got a Mr. T starter kit with that so-called gold. He's going to show them what lightning should look like. I'm going to hit you so fast and so hard and so strong. They ain't going to know where to drop. Over here, over there, or in the stands. It's cause... (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) for, For those of you out there that are, you know, very against... Um, heavily scripted promos in wrestling. Um, If you went back and watched this, you'd be begging for the current writing team in WWE to have written Virgil's scripted promo because this was awful. This was atrocious. Virgil shouldn't go near a microphone whatsoever. Um, Yeah, it was just, it it was bad. It was so bad that the next green screen promo was Razor Ramon and he didn't even, he didn't even acknowledge Virgil's call out. Um, He went to his issues with Macho Man. Um, and Razor Ramon claims that he's the toughest in the WWF. Just ask the Macho Man. He lost his gold, and he lost his leg. Okay, so car accident, eaten by an alligator, diabetes. Someone help me out here. How did Macho Man lose his leg? All right, we go to commercial, and we come back from the break, and Howard Finkel announces that Shawn Michaels has left the building. Good little heat segment there for Shawn, um, who's really gaining a following as a, a top mid card heel. There was even a sign in the crowd that said Shawn Michaels, please leave the building. Um, so yeah, it was a nice, you know, uh, nice touch to add to Shawn Michaels' character and just something, to, something different to sprinkle into the show at that time in '92. Uh, we then get Nails making his way down to the ring as he faces uh, Carry Davis. And just like every other Nails match, you've seen one, you've seen them all. It's very typical. Chokes, headlocks, clotheslines, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Nails would win with his modified sleeper hold over Kerry Davis. And then we would see a post-match beatdown with a nightstick. Same old, same old. It's we, We've been seeing the same Nails matches. Um They've been really you know pushing this thing with big boss man someday it's gonna happen and there's gonna be a showdown between the two and the boss man's gonna get his revenge and this that and the other and you know now it's I think we've reached that point where like you know like I said a few weeks back why didn't they have this match on the SummerSlam card um but it, it, it needs to happen very soon uh, between these two. Um we then get Vince McMahon pimping the Spotlight magazine with the Ultimate Warrior on the cover, just as Mean Jean Oakland introduces the Macho Man. Mm-hmm. We get a special interview from Randy Savage discussing his issues with Ric Flair and losing the World Wrestling Federation t- Championship. We see that the Macho Man is really selling that leg injury um, as he's limping, wearing an Ultimate Maniac's knee pad, which, by the way, they mention on commentary. You can get a close-up of the, you know, of the knee pad as he's walking up the steps of the, uh, the, the interview platform. And then Savage says, raise a remote. You may notice there's something missing around my waist. The World Wrestling Federation Championship. But you'll also notice I got something extra around my knee. Given to me by the greatest friend I've ever had. Or the greatest friend I could have. It's also from the toughest opponent I've ever had in my entire career. The Ultimate Warrior. Ooh, yeah. Macho intros Warrior, and Warrior shows up wearing the other knee pad, or carrying the other knee pad, I should say. And we get a bunch of glad handing between the two, praising their SummerSlam match as the greatest battle they've ever seen or witnessed to have been in, whatever that means. Um, Macho then gives him a pair of sunglasses and says, Not only will you see the future, but you'll see your destiny is the Ultimate World Wrestling Federation Champion. And the crowd goes crazy. And we get an indication that the Ultimate Warrior could be next in line for this WWF Championship match. Which I was scratching my head at there. Because Savage was robbed of the title. Why would you not want a rematch from Ric Flair? Why would you want to put your new best friend in the title picture over you? That was a little odd to me, but, um, you know, this was the moment when the ultimate maniacs were born, um, and, uh, the crowd was really into this for sure, um, this was probably the, the, the highlight of this show, um. Here was that interview, as well as the Tatanka Mountie match. Uh, We come back from commercial break, and it's Kamala defeating Tony DeVito in one of his typical squash matches. And we get a Harvey Whippleman picture-in-picture promo where he says, I'm going to let you idiots in on a little secret. Just like me, Kamala's not afraid of The Undertaker or anyone else. And then we get Kamala winning with a big splash for the finish. Um, Once again, commentary hyping a future showdown between these two, stemming from the finish at SummerSlam. And then we would see Paul Bearer show up at ringside with the casket. And Kamala sees the casket, and he is shaken. He is frightened. He is scared. He jumps over the top rope onto the floor, then jumps over the guardrail into the crowd as we go to the event center with Sean Mooney. And the natural disasters green screen promo is they, they claim that they're gonna they're gonna take in all challengers for the World Wrestling Federation tag team titles that they currently hold. They've worked hard for the belts and plan to keep them for a very long time. Um, as I was watching this promo, I'll be honest with you, um, it made me realize that I was n- I was not a fan as a kid and to this day now of the natural disasters as a babyface tag team. Um, one of the reasons why was because earthquake was such a good heel especially during his run with hogan when i was a kid i hated earthquake because i thought he ended hulkamania and so i had a hard time buying him as a good guy just like i had a hard time buying mr perfect as a good guy when they turned him and we'll discuss that you know in the coming weeks and months here on weekend warriors but uh yeah i was just very like you know i i just didn't buy it and when i was watching this i was like this just doesn't do it for me these two are big monsters they're killers like i i can't picture them being uh you know likable characters but um some people do and so i guess it's just me um But um, then we get another green screen promo from the British Bulldog, who is happy that he won the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam in his home country. He's happy. Brett's happy. His wife is happy. And the family is reunited. And he's happy to defend the title against anyone, anytime, anywhere. Um, Very over-the-top, babyface promo. They're really... uh, trying to build bulldog strong as a strong mid-card player um they obviously had plans destined uh for him in a singles role um and by putting the intercontinental championship on him that was the start of that um and then we get uh we close this episode of superstars um with vince hyping up next week's show as we'll get the debut of comic kid the big boss man razor ramon and intercontinental championship the champion the british bulldog all will be in action and via satellite this monday night on primetime wrestling the wwf champion rick flair will be on the show but he will also appear on superstars with mr perfect next week for a very special interview and that ends this week's episode of wwf superstars from september the 19th 1992 and now let's move on to WCW Saturday Night on TBS 6:05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time September the 19th 1992 as we open the show with clips of what led to this evening's main event between Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton versus the Steiner Brothers we see clips of Michael Hayes forming that team at the Clash of the Champions we see the finish from 2 weeks prior with Anderson and Eaton winning and then we see last week's confrontation with Rick Steiner calling out one of those men for an impromptu match to close out last week's Saturday night episode. Um, And then we get Jim Ross opening the show, um, discussing the Halloween Havoc Control Center, Scotty Flamingo's $2,000 fine for his involvement in last week's attack on Brad Armstrong, and now comments from Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, Jake would, uh, participate in another green screen promo pre-taped hyping the Halloween Havoc match with Sting. Spin the wheel, make the deal. We've seen these little movies, uh, these little mini movies recently between the two of them hyping up that match. Um, and, uh, Jake really, you know, he's a, he's a master on the mic. The psychology is off the page. Um, he kind of leaves you guessing as to what match he would like to, uh, have with Sting. Um, But he says he's a master of all these matches on the wheel, and Sting's going to find out at Halloween Havoc. Uh, We then open with the first match on this week's Saturday night episode as the Barbarian defeats Rob Basson with a quick boot to the face. Um, Cactus Jack is on commentary making claims that Barbarian will defeat Ron Simmons for the world title, but if not, then Butch Reed will do it. Um, And at this point... As I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, okay, last week, Jr. interviewed Rick Rude, who is the um, number one contender to the WCW World Heavyweight Championship as the United States Champion, and they've been kind of foreshadowing a showdown between him and Ron Simmons, so um, why doesn't Rick Rude get the title shot first? How does the Barbarian or Butch Reed jump in front of Rick Rude? Um this was kind of a little convoluted here, but um, that was just my, my train of thought as I was watching this. And if you do follow along each and every week, I'm sure you guys probably thought the same thing as well. Um, we come back from the break, and it's JR with Magnum TA. And uh, they're, they're both discussing Shane Douglas's upset victory over the Super Invader last week. Um, JR tries to make similar comparisons of Shane Douglas to Magnum TA, kind of giving them the rub a little bit, which uh, I, thought was, I thought was nice. It was a nice little touch. Um, Magnum recalls seeing how good Shane was back in 1987, and uh, he, he really puts over that belly-to-belly suplex. The same move Magnum used is now being used by Shane as the reason why no title in WCW is safe from anyone, which brings us to... Shane Douglas's match against Joe Kazana um, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with Shane Douglas here in terms of his look, um, but uh, they kind of gave him the, uh, the 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 Shawn Michaels look with the leather jacket, with the fringe and the chaps, um, really looking like a, uh, a a dollar store version of the Heartbreak Kid. Um, I just didn't know what to make of it. Didn't to me, it didn't look good. Um, but you know this, th- th- there's something. That I guess they were toying around with, or maybe Shane was toying around with. I'm not sure. Um, on commentary, Magnum's really putting over Douglas. He's putting him over Strong. Same thing with Jr. Uh, kind of indicating that he's going to be a big player in WCW. Um, it really sounds like they're in for a serious push with him, um, and the crowd seemed to be into him uh, at center stage. Um, but Southern crowds are very into baby faces. I I've, I've always noticed they're not like us in the Northeast where I live, where they, 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 they try to, you know, they try to call bullshit on everything and, you know, dictate who to cheer for and who to boo and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Southern wrestling fans are really traditional wrestling fans. And, um, even as a newcomer to WCW or, um, someone who hasn't been on the scene in quite a while in WCW. Shane Douglas, uh, you know, really um, uh, was popular amongst that crowd at center stage in Atlanta um, for, for for two weeks. So, um, or at least for these two weeks, I should say. So it was, uh, it, it was interesting to see that little dynamic there. Um, Douglas would eventually win with the belly-to-belly. They, like I said, they've been putting that over. That's his finisher. It's something that I guess, like, you could see Magnum kind of, you know, passing that torch a little bit to him, telling him you could use the move. Um, And then we get a post-match promo where Douglas really puts over Magnum, puts over the belly-to-belly, being the reason why he's going to be a force within WCW, and like I said, Magnum kind of gives his stamp of approval um, and really puts Shane over and says Shane's going to go to the top of WCW um, as we uh, fade out and head into uh, commercial break. We come back from the break. And we have the Halloween Havoc Control Center, the very first one, as uh, JR announces Ron Simmons going to defend the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against the Barbarian. Um, we get a green screen promo from Cactus Jack, who's shirtless, which uh, you know is is a sight because I don't really have ever uh, remember seeing Mick Foley without a shirt on, uh, you know, throughout his career. I remember some early, early WCW stuff um when he was Cactus Jack Manson um he wore a singlet and but um that was you know brief um i don't know something stupid i brought up whatever um cactus talks about um going toe to toe with Simmons at the clash as they show clips of that and then he says that Simmons better be prepared for a big boot because he's only going to have to take it one time and lose the WCW World Heavyweight Championship now i talked about it just a minute ago Um, where does Rick Rude fit into all this? Well, he's got his hands full at Halloween Havoc, according to JR on the Halloween Havoc Control Center, as he's going to challenge Masahiro Chono for the NWA title at that pay-per-view. Rude and Medusa then have a green screen promo, and and uh I quote Chono, Halloween Havoc, Docey and I are gonna show you all the tricks, and then we take home the big treat. Bye-bye. Get it? Trick, treat championship title no okay all right i got you um we then get a video clip uh from jr showing how the sting and jake the snake roberts rivalry started back in the summer when jake the snake made his debut attacking um sting in the baltimore arena uh both guys comment on the match comment on that as well as their matches at uh, halloween havoc um when i watched this i i started to remember back as a kid um the anticipation i had for this match because of the different types of matches that were on the wheel um i thought the spin the wheel make the deal concept was very appealing um as a youngster um but the execution um may have you know looking back on it now 27 years later may not have been the best so um but, yeah, I just remember as a kid being like, wow, I want to get this pay-per-view. Sting and Jake the Snake, like a match I've never seen before. Sting was, you know, WCW all the way. Jake just came from the WWF, so um, there was, there was a, some appeal there. Um, for That's for sure. Uh, go to commercial and come back as we see DDP taking on heavy metal Van Hammer. Um, uh, you could see the early... In ring days of Diamond Dallas Page, um, you know he's definitely uh, a fish out of water when it comes to the, the his in ring um, abilities at this time in 1992. It looked like he was trying too hard. He looked very out of place in the ring, um, and Van Hammer, he just sucked. Plain and simple, he <laughs> he sucked. Um, wasn't impressed with this match. Um, however. You know, looking back on it now, it goes to show how far DDP has come as an individual, as an, as a performer. Um, because it would be, you know, five years later where he really broke out as a star, uh, being the first guy to get the get one over on the NWO. Uh, when he hit those diamond cutters on Hall and Nash, and uh, in January of '97, so um, it's 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 interesting to look back at, and see his progression, and from especially in this match with Van Hammer, a guy who's uh, not known for his wrestling ability, I should say. Um, however, I was surprised to see Hammer. Uh, win the match with an Oklahoma roll, um, and he looked like he transitioned into that move very smoothly. I wonder how many times he practiced that because that was the best fucking thing he did that entire match, and that includes his entrance too. My God, it's fucking atrocious. Um, Yeah, Van Hammer wins with an Oklahoma roll, of all things, surprisingly enough. Uh, we get Jim Ross interviewing Cactus Jack and the Barbarian as the Barbarian is stroking the arm of Cactus, which... No reason, you know, behind it. I just kind of found it funny. It was something I noticed, and he, you know, it, it it kind of weirded me out a little bit. But at the same time, I found some humor in it, so I thought I'd bring it to everyone's attention um, because there was really nothing to write home about in, in this promo. We've heard, we've kind of heard the same spiel from Cactus that you know he's got mercenaries or henchmen that are going to take out Ron Simmons and take the WCW World Heavyweight Title. So pretty much kind of got the same speech here uh in the in the promo after barbarian stroked the arm of cactus jack (laughs) um go to commercial and come back and jr is with ricky the dragon steamboat and teddy long and for the second week in a row teddy long would like to thank all the homies for watching the all-new wcw power hour and then he endorses steamboat as one of the best tv champions of all time um who then responds to some comments that stunning Steve and Paulie dangerously made last week uh, regarding his family? Um, Steamboat really impassioned promo here, fired up. Uh, he says he says that he's got more ring time in his pinky than Steve Austin does in his entire career, and he's got what it takes to hold on to the gold. Um, like I said, very passionate in this promo here. Um, it looks like that the rivalry between him and Austin is far from over at this point. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what other matches these guys have in 1992 uh, in the coming weeks on this show. And then we get the main event. Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby Eaton with Michael P.S. Hayes in their corner taking on the Steiner brothers. Um, Steiner Brothers man I said it earlier about the southern crowds and how they get into the baby faces but man the Steiner Brothers when they walked out of that curtain that crowd in center stage came unglued it reminded me of like the pops that the Von Erich boys used to get in Dallas at the Sportatorium those girls would go crazy. You would just hear those girls scream, and it, I, I felt like you heard that in this pop for the Steiners entering the ring. It was, uh, it, it really took me back a little. I was like, wow, they are really into them, and um, you know, I, I'm a big Steiner brother guy. Been a been a big Steiner brother, Mark. From the moment I saw them, um, so it doesn't surprise me in the least bit that this audience was into them because they were just they were a hot act in WCW at that time, especially in 1992. Um, there is something interesting about this match in terms of the commentary. Um, Jr. brings it to our attention that um, you know Michael Hayes is the strategist of this team. However, this team is still associated with Paulie Dangerously and the Dangerous Alliance. Um, And one of the reasons why I found it interesting is because I'm the kind of person I need some sort of explanation. I need some sort of continuity in my storytelling. Otherwise, I I kind of get lost and I don't necessarily really follow the story, or I have a hard time um, covering up the potholes, so to speak, in the story. And um, you know, there wasn't any real reason given as to why Hayes formed this newfound alliance with. Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson, and it was almost in a you you almost looked at it in a way like he was taking them away from the Dangerous Alliance, but it looked like they were. I guess Hayes would he be a member of the Dangerous Alliance or does he have a association with them? Is he working with them, but not a full fledged member? It was it was rather strange, and but at the same time, it was comforting for me now as a fan because I love the Dangerous Alliance. I think they're one of the most underrated factions of all time, and. They're in my top five favorites of all time. Um, and I didn't really care for the way that they had split up. Um even as a kid, I liked the fact that the Dangerous Alliance was like the bad guy group and there were all kinds of good guys going after them. It was just exciting television at that time as a kid. And so when they split up and they kind of all went their separate ways, I was a little disappointed. But um, Going back and watching this, I was kind of, I would say relieved, but I was I was happy to hear that there was still some association with the Dangerous Alliance. They weren't just throwing it away um, and never addressing it again. It sounded like that we're going to come back to it a little bit. And what else I found interesting was the fact that you know Hayes formed this team and all of a sudden now he's got an issue with Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Doc, and we all know the history he has with Gordy as a free bird. Um, But the other thing, too, that I also found interesting about this whole scenario is the newfound alliance that was discussed a few weeks ago that I mentioned on this show between Dangerously and the Dangerous Alliance, along with Gordy and Doc. They kind of seemed to indicate they were going to be working together to get rid of the Steiners. But then Michael Hayes comes into the picture here and Michael Hayes pretty much tells us that Anderson and Eaton are going after those tag team titles. Um, so there's some confusion here a little bit for me as a fan, but however, I feel like we'll kind of get things cleared up relatively soon because the tag team scene in WCW at this time in 1992, well, I wouldn't say it was red hot, but it was pretty damn good. Um, and I think we'll see some sort of explanation as to why um they They brought this up with the dangerous alliance being associated with Hayes and you know maybe the 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 relationship between Anderson and Eaton um you know working with Gordy and Doc to take out the Steiners, but the Steiners are still involved in this I think everything will kind of get cleared up, but that would just kind of you know I know I kind of went in this long rant so to speak um and really put you guys in the woods or in the weeds, I should say um. When it came to this, but it just kind of came to me and I was like trying to figure it out in my head. And, you know, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, other than that, this was a great match. Um, Dare I say better than the one they had a few weeks prior. Um both these teams' contrasting styles just really mesh well. I mean the Steiners with their physical, you know, smash mouth kind of style. And then you got Anderson and Eaton, great technicians with their slow methodical pacing in their matches. Um very underrated tandem, you know, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. Um I really enjoyed this match. And I I honestly, when it, when I watched Anderson and Eaton, I was like, I wish I got to see more of them as a team. And I know it was kind of short lived, but um, I really enjoyed them as a tag team and very underrated tandem. Um, two guys who were were, were great ta- tag team technicians coming together. They just they, they they worked together like they had been a team for years, and they've only been a team for maybe a year, if that, um, as a part of the Dangerous Alliance. So um, in 2019, right now at 36 years old, I can appreciate their work as a team more. I'm a big Arn Anderson, Mark, to begin with. I love Double A. I've always been a big fan of him. Greatest wrestler to never wear the World Championship. But I learned to appreciate him more with his uh, his his tag team association with beautiful Bobby Eaton here. So um, go out of your way to watch this match. If there's any match you watch out of both these shows, watch this match. Just this a great tag team match. Um and, you know, the finish was actually a, a nice surprise. Um, the TV time limit expired as all four guys were in the ring brawling. Um, and it looks like that this rivalry is going to continue uh, in the coming weeks um, on WCW Saturday Night and other WCW programming. But um, they closed the show out with Hazen leaving with the tag team and, uh, you know, confusion. Um, but foreshadowing that we will probably see these two teams go at it again to determine you know maybe a number one contender or maybe just who the better team is um as we close out wcw saturday night now uh usually we pick a winner each and every week here i'm marking out today's weekend warriors and i'll honestly tell you that i'm gonna go with saturday night based on this match alone based on this match alone i didn't really care for anything else on this show except for this match this match awesome match and this is why i love wcw during this time period because of matches like this um and even the finish too people think oh tv time limit you know it, it robbed us but it left you wanting more at least it did for me it's a cliffhanger you know whether it's the 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 show the next day main event or the next week of wcw saturday night it left you wanting more between those two teams and i i really enjoyed that match a lot um like I said, Anderson, Eaton, very underrated tag team. Uh, even though it was short-lived, um, I could have I could have watched them and the Steiners wrestle over and over again. Both teams work really well together. And dare I say, one of the more underrated tag team rivalries in tag team wrestling history in general. I, I'm being bold with it, but it's the truth. But yeah, WCW Saturday Night wins once again this week here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors episode 22 for September the 19th, 1992. I'd like to thank you all so very much for joining me. Next week, Kobe's going to be back in the saddle. I'm probably going to ride bitch because that's how it usually works. I got no problem with it, by the way. Um, We're going to cover September the 26th, 1992. WWF superstars, WCW Saturday night. Don't forget, each and every Saturday, marking out today's Weekend Warriors drops on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find it on Spotify, Spreaker's, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all the other great shows that are part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Kicking Out of Two, Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, and so much more. All over there. Search Retromania with a W and you will find all those shows over there on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And that about does it. I am Dave Rosenbluth and I will see you all next week.